As I mentioned last week, I got the information uh, to Mona uh, before she went off to Canada and got a couple weeks ahead, and I'm actually way ahead because this uh, the bulletin it was uh, uh, two weeks ahead of where I actually am today. So our text is going to be from John 18, excuse me, John 19, verses 1 to 16. John 19, verses 1 to 16. Would you stand for the reading of Scripture? It also will change the, the last hymn so it'll fit better. John 19 and verse 1, Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him, and the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I am bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. When Pilate heard this statement, he was even more afraid. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me? Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. From then on Pilate sought to release him, but the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. So when Pilate heard these words, he brought Jesus out and sat down on the judgment seat at a place called the Stone Pavement and in Aramaic Gabbatha. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him! Away with him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar! So he delivered him over to them to be crucified. May God add his richest blessing to reading of this portion of his holy word. Will you pray with me, please? Again, our Father in heaven, we're thankful that we may come before you we're thankful that you are God who has chosen to speak to us in words that we can understand by the power of your spirit. We're thankful that you are the God who made yourself known to us in the person of Jesus Christ. And we pray that as we look to your word that we would see him high and lifted up. And that his sheep would hear his voice and know their good shepherd and follow him. We pray that you would meet with each of us and speak to us by the power of your spirit, in spite of the inability and sin of the preacher. In Jesus' name, amen. Be seated, please. Uh, 
And the correct title of this message, not what you see in the bulletin, is Do You See the Irony? Part 2. Last week we began looking at Jesus' trial before the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. And there was more to that trial than could reasonably be covered in one message. Lord willing, we'll finish with it today. But if you were here last time, you know we looked at the ironies in that trial as the judge of all the earth was himself judged by an infinitely lesser and morally inferior man. Now let's continue now to look at the ironies in this passage as Jesus with Pontius Pilate is brought before the angry crowd. First in this passage you see the man. Look at verse 1. Then Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, King of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Pilate went out again and said to them, See, I'm bringing him out to you that you may know that I find no guilt in him. So Jesus came out wearing the crown of thorns and the purple robe. Pilate said to them, Behold the man. Now you know Pilate does not want to crucify Jesus. He does not uh, find him uh, guilty. You see in verse 4 he says, I find no guilt in him. So he commits an injustice. He has Jesus flogged with a whip, though he's found nothing wrong with him. And then the soldiers put this crown of thorns and purple robe on Jesus, mocking him. And then Jesus comes out and Pilate says, Behold the man. Pilate is saying, Look at this poor man. He's harmless. His hope was that a beating in just as it was, along with this public humiliation of Jesus, which he did not deserve, that it would be enough to satisfy the crowd without going through with the execution. So Pilate says, Behold the man. Remember, the people have a choice. One convict can go free. Will it be Jesus or the murderer, Barabbas? Pilate hopes to appeal to the sympathy of this crowd. Behold the man. This poor man. But once again, Pilate knew not what he had said. Turn back to the first words of John. John chapter 1 and verse 14. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen or we have beheld his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father full of grace and truth. Jesus is the man. Behold, the man. He is the Word made flesh. Here, standing before this crowd, is God Almighty in human flesh. The God man. 
The only true God is being revealed on full display through the flesh of this man. This man is the full revelation of the glory of God. But all Pilate sees is a pitiful, pathetic weakling in his eyes. And all that the crowd sees is a blasphemer. But who really is the pathetic, pitiful weakling? And who are the real blasphemers? What they see in Jesus is only a reflection of themselves. Not who he really is. You're still in John chapter 1. Look at verse 29. The next day he, that's John the Baptist, the next day John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. It's interesting how the Gospel of John has these calls at each end to behold Jesus. Behold the man. Behold the Lamb. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And now we see that to be the Lamb, he had to become the man. The great prophecy of Isaiah 53 brought together the concept of the man and the lamb. It says that the great servant of the Lord was a man of sorrows who was led like a lamb to the slaughter. In the Old Testament, the sin was laid upon the lamb. The sin was transferred to the lamb and then the lamb was slain in the place of the sinner bearing his sin. Isaiah 53 says, The Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all and that he bore the sins of many as a lamb. And by his wounds, We're healed. And here stands Jesus Christ with the sin of the people laid on him. Jesus is literally clothed in the hatefulness of man. Jesus dressed as a mock king before people who deny the Lord is king and he's bleeding. He is wounded by his wounds. We are healed. Isaiah also said as a lamb before his shearers is silent, so he openeth not his mouth. Now back on the text, John 19, look at verse 9. He entered his headquarters again and said to Jesus, Where are you from? But Jesus gave him no answer. As a lamb before the shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. This is the man, the man, who would save man. By being the lamb. 
You know, Paul talks about two men, the first man and the last man, Adam and Christ, the two heads and representatives of humanity. The first man failed and brought sin and death and condemnation. The last man brought obedience and life and resurrection. They are looking at the last man, the last Adam. But they cannot see. You see the man. Secondly, in this passage, you see the authority. Look at verse 10. So Pilate said to him, You will not speak to me. Do you not know that I have authority to release you and authority to crucify you? Pilate wants to get some kind of a rise out of Jesus. Jesus hadn't said anything. So he asked him, Don't you know that I have the authority to crucify you? I can let you go or I can crucify you. Your life is in my hands. I have the authority. Answer me. Now look at verse 11. Jesus answered him, You would have no authority over me at all unless it had been given you from above. Therefore he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. Jesus tells him, You are not in ultimate control. The real authority is from above. God was in control of the crucifixion of Jesus. It was his plan. It was prophesied centuries before. It had to happen. It was the eternal plan of God for our salvation. The Apostle Peter said that Jesus was delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God. And yet these people, are carrying out these horrendous crimes against humanity and God Almighty according to their own free will. But they are accomplishing exactly what God intended. Pilate would have no authority to crucify Jesus had God not given it to him. Now, the second half of verse 11 is a bit difficult to follow. It says, Therefore, he who delivered me over to you has the greater sin. One thing, it's uncertain who the person who delivered Jesus over is. It could well be Judas who betrayed Jesus, or it could be the high priest who actually had Jesus delivered to Pilate. But whether it's Judas Or Caiaphas, why would he have greater sin than Pilate? Well, Jesus here is emphasizing the sovereignty of God. And here he seems to be saying that God has so arranged it in order that Pilate, who thinks he has so much power, is really in a very passive role and is therefore guilty of lesser sin, though he is absolutely guilty before God. But John is showing us that God is working in this tragedy or this travesty of justice. 
He is bringing good out of evil. He is bringing the greatest good out of the worst evil. John told us at the beginning that Jesus was the light and the light shineth in the darkness and the darkness comprehendeth it not or the darkness has not overwhelmed it. But that indicates the darkness would try. The forces of darkness would try to overcome the light of the world. But John is teaching us that the darkness cannot overcome the light of the world because the darkness cannot escape the sovereign will and authority of God. You see the man. You see the authority. Thirdly, in this passage, you see the traitors. Look at verse 6. When the chief priests and the officers saw him, they cried out, Crucify him! Crucify him! Pilate said to them, Take him yourselves and crucify him, for I find no guilt in him. The Jews answered him, We have a law, and according to that law, he ought to die because he has made himself the Son of God. They want Jesus executed on a charge of blasphemy. He made himself the Son of God. But as we saw in a previous message, blasphemy, according to the Hebrew Bible, means absolutely nothing to Pilate. So they changed the charge from blasphemy, making himself the Son of God, they change it to treason. They change it from a theological charge to a political charge. Look at verse 12. From then on, Pilate sought to release him. But the Jews cried out, If you release this man, you are not Caesar's friend. Everyone who makes himself a king opposes Caesar. Now it's not that he made himself the son of God. They're saying he made himself a king. Although according to the promise in David in 2 Samuel chapter 7, the king and son of God did come together, but that's for another day. But you see here they say this man is no friend of Caesar. They say that he, Jesus, opposes Caesar. And if you let him go, you're not Caesar's friend either. He's a traitor. That should appeal to the Roman governor. They've charged Jesus here with high treason. But now look at verse 15. They cried out, away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, shall I crucify your king? The chief priest answered, we have no king but Caesar. Who are the real traitors here? No king but Caesar? What about the Lord? The Lord is the true king of Israel and these are the chief priests. You see what they've done? 
They've imputed their own sin to Jesus. They've charged Jesus with blasphemy and now treason. Those are their own crimes. They have charged Jesus with their own sins. They want him killed. And so they accuse him of doing exactly what they are doing. But that's what God has done for us. He has not counted our sin against us, but he has imputed, he has reckoned it to his own son. And he has borne our judgment. And his perfect righteousness is imputed to us. You see, we are the blasphemers and traitors who would not submit to the Lord God Almighty. We are the sheep who have gone astray and turned everyone to his own way. We are the ones who do what is right in our own eyes. We are the sons of Adam who in the ultimate act of treason and the ultimate act of blasphemy tried to make himself a god. And the Lord hath laid on him, Jesus Christ, the iniquity of us all. Behold the man. Behold the Lamb of God, which taketh away the sin of the world. See the man, you see the authority, you see the traitors. And fourthly and finally in this passage, you see the king. Look at verse 1 again. And Pilate took Jesus and flogged him. And the soldiers twisted together a crown of thorns and put it on his head and arrayed him in a purple robe. They came up to him saying, Hail, king of the Jews, and struck him with their hands. Now look at verse 14. Now it was the day of preparation of the Passover. It was about the sixth hour. He said to the Jews, Behold your king. They cried out, Away with him, away with him, crucify him. Pilate said to them, Shall I crucify your king? The chief priests answered, We have no king but Caesar. Now here's the real irony. This is the real king. Jesus is being executed for the truth. He is the king. And this thorny crown and royal robe placed on him in sarcastic mockery are his regal garments. For it is in this act of degradation and shame and death that he accomplishes, that he earns his kingdom by wearing these garments and then going to the cross. He achieved his 
victory and reign, but this crowd will not have him. We have no king but Caesar. And then it says, it was the day of preparation of the Passover. The very day they celebrated that God had delivered them from Pharaoh. They would say, we have no king but Caesar. Friends, we have said it before and we say it again. Jesus is a prophet, a priest, and a king. If you would have him, you must have all of him. If Jesus is our Savior, he must be our king. And therefore, he has absolute authority over us. Think of it. To have every sin taken away and laid on him. My sin, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Oh, my soul, and it's all for and only for all who will bow the knee and own him as their king. Behold the lamb. Behold the man. Behold your king. Will you have this king? In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost, amen. The hymn is going to be number 254. Number 254. Alas, and did my Savior bleed. Two, five, four in the red book. Let's sing it all.
bow your heads for the benediction. Grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost. Rest upon and abide with you all till the day break and the shadows flee away. Amen. <laughs>